instead of just making a yarn, it just, it, all of a sudden it elevated yarn making. Today on Woolen Spinning Radio. Crystal Hesser is a well-known face around woolen spinning, but there are some who haven't had the pleasure in meeting her. So I wanted to spend some time today introducing her to you. Throughout Tour de Fleece, she has been posting daily photos of her yarns as she spins them on her wheel, supported spindles, and shares her ideas along the way. Crystal shares her inspiration process, why spinning textured yarn is so important, and how she started with supported spindles. Join me in welcoming Crystal to the show. And they just really create this gorgeous looking rickrack effect and a very usable yarn, even if you're not technically an art yarn spinner. In a world of store-bought items and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Woolen Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over-twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. How did you get into knitting? How did you get into spinning? What was your journey like to kind of bring you to this point? And you can give me the Coles Notes version because I know like mine, it's very, <laughs> our journeys are very, you know, there's yeah. lots of side things so many things that kind of lead you to this place and for me um like in a past life I was an advertising copywriter I worked on big accounts like Home Depot and PepsiCo and during the recession I got laid off um twice at two different agencies and it was just such a blow my ego a little bit and very humbling about my situation because not long after I was let go so was my husband and we both worked in advertising it was just not a good time to be in advertising and so we were we found like both of us not being employed we moved back in with his parents which was a nightmare I don't ever recommend doing that (laughs) don't do that don't move into your partner's parents house Um, (laughs) It's a number on me emotionally because I just felt like I was on stage the whole time and there was no way, no place for me to just be me. And I stumbled on to knitting and I enjoyed it, but I was also really frustrated because it took me a long time to knit things and I would hate it when it was done. And I just stumbled on this video of someone spinning on a spinning wheel and I'm like, that, I need to do that. And I roll up in the local yarn shop and thankfully Debbie was the owner of it was like, I'm not going to sell you a wheel. Cause I was like, how much are your wheels? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And she was like, I'm not going to sell you a wheel. Cause I want you to take several lessons with me first to see if this is something you really want to keep doing because wheels aren't cheap. And I, that is something that I am 
really grateful for because I think there are a lot of places that would just sell you a wheel without really going into whether or not you're actually going to enjoy the wheel mm -hmm. that you dropped all this money on. Um, and I started out on a Louette S51, which is a basically an S10 with spokes. Mm -hmm. um, I love that wheel. I spun on it solely for almost 10 years. Um, I am not much of a drop spindler. It was just not something that never really, I never really took to. Um, but I, 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 I guess I'm at probably what you would call like a process spinner or product because I like a challenge. It keeps me energized and excited about something. So the art yarns were just, I need to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I've been on this like pursuit for the last 10 or so, more than 10 years at this point mm -hmm. um, of learning to do everything <laughs> so i and i and i think i'm a, a bit unusual in that regard because i do spend a lot of art yarns but i also spend traditional yarns and i love spinning on my supported spindles um but yeah like i i like in the broader fiber community outside of woolen spinning i'm probably more known for my art yarns than i am my traditional spinning but i do it all yeah that's and I, very cool. I, yeah, it, 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 I found it to be the one thing that kind of gave me peace um, and healing because I, in my early 30s, I developed this condition um, that caused a growth along the inside of my spinal canal and my neck. Um, and so I've had three surgeries. <laughs> I have a spinal cord simulator all in an effort to deal with the pain that it was causing and I was, thankfully, I was still able to spin through all of that, but it's been my one place of, like, just true peace. And the community is so amazing and so supportive of everything that I've been through. I feel like I've been through major things, and there's always been this fiber community that's been there supporting me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing to me. It, it is more than just a craft Mm -hmm. that sense absolutely yeah yeah I think the the spinning community is that much smaller too than the than the knitting community that you do sort of connect with people and you connect with the same people over and over again and so there is that more intimate sense of community I think in the spinning yeah. community it's the same people it's the same personalities same faces same usernames yeah a smaller and, group of people um and outside of of the online world I've really been trying to get a local group together because I feel like there is something really valuable about spinning with other spinners in person because you learn so much from someone else who can sit there and ask you questions as you're working oh, um, and building a community so I'm trying there's a guild here already, but they're, I think they're just a group of friends that like mm -hmm. to get together, which is great, but it, there's, I feel like a guild should do more than just meet once a month. I feel like they, there should be some, how do we introduce new people to this craft? Because it's not a common craft. Mm -hmm. 
people excited about it because I think it's an exciting time to be a spinner. There's <laughs> so much going on. It. Like it's it, it's not like a long time ago where like you had to spin. It wasn't a, it was a chore. It was part of what you had to do. And now it's like, no, <laughs> you mm-hmm. do it for fun <laughs> and you do it because it makes you happy. And yeah, I think exactly. that's an interesting time to be a spinner because Absolutely. I think we're doing some really different things with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. So you've kind of got some ideas in the back of your mind about starting something a little bit more formal. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be in person. I think, yeah, because like, think like with Helene, she has just pushed me into this. You should sell your stuff. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, I probably should because I'm way more of a spinner than I am a knitter or weaver. And I've just amassed such a collection of yarns and I hate keeping them in bend because they're pretty, but like in order for me to end up using it, they have to be pretty exceptional. So I keep the exceptional ones and everything else I end up selling at fiber festivals and sharing events and that sort of thing. But in the process of doing that, I've been meeting people and getting phone numbers of everyone that is local that is a spinner and I'm like let's get together and we'll do stuff so because I've been trying to do this thing where we do like a spin with a sheep day we did it like at the very beginning of the tour with Helene at her farm unfortunately it's like July 4th week and I think people just weren't available um but it was like I feel like that would be a great thing to do to introduce spinners to shepherds um different farms and having a spin with a sheep day where you can talk to the shepherds you can talk they can talk about their sheep they can if you want buy their products from the farm like I feel like that's connecting those two groups is an important thing and something that's needed yeah it's here for sure which Mm -hmm. is crazy because there's such a there's this is such a heavy textiles region where I live, it's, it's the furniture market is in high point. There's upholstery fabrics, uh, Levi's, Levi Strauss denim jeans were, I don't think they are now, but they were, they were made here in Greensboro where I live. So like a huge history of textiles in this area. And I really, I don't want that knowledge to just go away. Mm -hmm the mills that were here are no longer here because they were shipped over to China. Mm-hmm, totally. Because yeah. you're in South Carolina, right? No, North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, sorry. And North Helene <laughs> And Helene is is like 30 minutes away from you or an hour away, not even? About 45 minutes away. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, that's like nothing. Far. No. Far. And we just get along really well, which is which is great because sometimes there's, you know, I go to knit, like there's people that I would hang out and I can talk fiber with. I don't know that I would hang out with them, but mm-hmm. Helena is someone that I can just hang out with. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> She's an actual friend. For that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause just because you share a common passion or a common interest does not mean that you would be friends in, in real life, quote unquote, yeah. like, you know, like in, in like your just general passing, like, would you go for, if you didn't have this thing in common, would you go for coffee? You know? And yeah. I always ask myself that, like, 
know, is there something else that is a, is a deep connection here? Cause sometimes, yeah. sometimes the spinning is a jumping point or like the fiber arts in general is a jumping point to getting to something else, but sometimes it's just that and that's okay. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. And it's great. Cause I really value our friendship now. Yeah. They want the closest of my friends now. Like we That's just, amazing. which is just awesome because it's so hard to meet people as an adult. I feel like it's wow. just, you, the, the, the community of people with which you can meet new people yeah. just like gets smaller as you age. I think so. <laughs> and you don't necessarily always want to hang out with workmates, you know, yeah. because then it becomes about work. And again, it's that one thing that ties you together. Is there something else that you can go deep with and, you know, and, and connect over? You need something more than just work, you know, yeah. or you need something more than just fiber, like to, to foster those friendships. And I think I'm, I might be wrong, but you can, you can tell me if I am, but you know, when, when there's been health issues too, I think that can be very isolating as well. You know, you're spending right. a probably more time than you would have at home. And then on top of that, the pandemic and everything, although in the States that was very different, but still depending yeah. <laughs> on where you were in your own health issues, you know, yeah. like how much you're out and yeah. about and yeah. I mean, and, and pain is such a, it's a, it's a hard thing to deal with because it's invisible. It's an invisible thing. Like you can't, you can't see someone's pain. And for a while it took, it took a long while for even, you know, my family and my husband to fully understand the extent to which I was in pain because I'm like, this is not, I kept saying this is not normal. Um, but, you know, everyone's like, well, you're just getting older. This is normal. And it's not, I'm like, it's not normal. You're what? not that old. No. <laughs> and you're not 92. No, no. It, it, so. it happened like in my early 30s. So, so not normal. Just, it was hard because like even doctors, I don't think really took it as seriously as I, you know, was feeling because they, I think with pain and the drug epidemic, like they didn't want to get, they didn't, they, I don't know. I felt like that it seemed like I was drug seeking and that really wasn't mm -hmm. the case. They were very conservative about how they went about treating my pain. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I had a nerve conduction study and my husband's looking at the machine and seeing this spike on the machine from where like they were testing my nerve and they're like, wow, that's nerve damage there. My husband's like, I believe you now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it was a battle because it was, it took a while for me to even get a proper diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So and I, I think it's harder for women too, because it's, you're less likely to be believed mm -hmm. when you. Absolutely. Um, so it took a while for me to get a proper diagnosis and, you know, three surgeries and a spinal cord stimulator later. I like, I think I'm finally in a place where I feel like I can, I'm not completely free of pain, but I can tolerate it to a much better degree now. It's something I can live with where, and without the medications, I've been able to wean myself off of all the medications and things. So I feel like I'm in a really good place health wise than I have been in a very long time. Wow. Yeah. And, and your spinning has been so like, it's been there for you the whole time. You said earlier, like that it was the one thing you could do. So 
um, what, where did, when you're in pain like that, it's really hard to feel inspired and passionate about anything. It's your whole mind is wrapped up in the pain, right? Yeah. And it's, it's this horrible distraction. Um, so like, what did you do to, to keep, stay inspired and to stay motivated to work on your stuff, knowing that that would give you a release? Well, I, I think part of it is that I am, I'm, I'm just generally a creative person. I like my career was a creative job. I had I mean, it was fun, but it was really long hours. Um, but I, I'm just generally a creative person, but I'm also a very competitive person. <laughs> so like having these challenges of things that like, I really just want to master this thing is, is like these personal goals is kind of what would get me through things. Cause I'm not going out. I'm not getting challenged by the outside world. I'm challenging right. myself own creativity but I, I've I feel like with my spinning journey as it has been it's been in the last couple of years that I feel like something has changed about my spinning and it's um it, it's it's different now I don't know how I don't even mm. know how to explain it it's it's like it's been elevated to a level that it wasn't like it was more of a, a, a I'm going doing these things, but it's more of a like I am really pushing the boundaries of what I think you can do with yarn um, or with making yarn. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I really wild things like I, you know, I especially with my art yarns, I have I am not someone who subscribes to the idea that every yarn has to be utile. I think sometimes the yarn is the art itself. Totally. And I yeah. Have, I have several yarns that I feel like are works of art to me in and of themselves, namely like my angler's nightmare yarn where I spun fishing lures and bobbers. And <laughs> that was so fun. Didn't you win an award for that one? Not for well, I I came in fourth in the wildest art yarn with that one, but I I won the wildest art yarn with my metamorphosis yarn, which is it, um I had spun silk cocoons into the yarn, and then I had taken chiffon butterflies and I sewed some of them onto the cocoons like they were coming out, and then some of them would be out already, and it was that that one wildest art yarn during spun together last year, which was amazing because it was also the same week that my mother died so like yes. I was doing spin together the same time I'm watching my mother just wither away mm -hmm. um, I'm grateful for it because it was just such a welcome distraction from the heaviness of everything that was going on mm -hmm. a was, little bit a little bit of lightness right a little yeah. bit of light yeah and it was such an honor to just, I, and an unexpected one at that, to have my yarn when Wildest Art yarn, because it was done during this heavy period in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So your art yarn's been a huge influence in your life. Like it's been, it's kind of been there. You've got all these awesome ideas. Um, how do you, how do you come up with the ideas that you want to like explore? Like, how do you kind of come up? Because a lot of it's just understanding <laughs> twists. The longer you yeah. spin for, the more you just kind of understand how twist works, where it goes, what it's going to yeah, do. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, yeah. How do you come up with all these crazy ideas? 
I don't know. My brain is a very wacky place. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's so much fun. I, I Well, there was a corner that I turned, I think, when I, I took a class with Esther Rogers um, mm-hmm. on intentional art yarns. And it kind of opened this door that, you know, was probably already there, already there. But I, I opened this door to what I could do with my yarns. And I, it was just having like these thematic sort of approaches to a yarn where things represent other things. And you're, it, you, there's a purpose in you creating the art yarns, not just, oh, I'm doing a coarse bun yarn. It's like, I'm doing this with a coarse bun yarn because I'm trying to tell this other broader story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just resonated with me because it honestly took me back to my days as a copywriter. Cause as a copywriter, you're handed an ad brief, a creative brief, and you're supposed to execute ideas off of this creative brief. So you're trying to get certain messages in and make it concise and read, right. And everything in your ad is, is contributing to convincing someone they should go to the store and buy this thing or do this other thing. Um, and I had never thought to do that with a yarn. And so I started thinking about it as, wait, how can I do that? Like, how can I create more thematic yarns instead of just making a yarn? It just, it, all of a sudden it elevated yarn making to me mm-hmm. and just open the door to these really wild but to me really cool sort of ideas I mean the Morse code yarn never would have happened if I didn't take that class with her if I never made that turn to see that yarns could be so much more I don't think I would have ever made that yarn and mm-hmm. <laughs> that yarn is and the poem that I wrote for it was deeply personal um and something that helped me get through all the stuff that I was going through with my mom so it also was very rep- a time a very specific time in my life mm-hmm. um and at the same time helped me deal with and grapple with the grief that I was experiencing so the, like even the yarn that the horizontal stripes and of course one yarn yeah I, that's the one you're working I, on currently yeah I, I, like this is how because like you talk about striping yarns because I mean hand spun is just notorious for having that sort of striping when you're knitting with it and I'm like well what if the stripes were really small and I'm like well I mean coarse one obviously is the best way to go about doing this because I didn't want it to be like a cocoon where the cocoon is larger than the yarn itself I wanted it to feel like these these pieces were integral into the yarn and I just was curious, like how that would turn out. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I, think it's such a cool I saw the photo of it this morning. It's beautiful. The yarns that you're talking about, I'm going to post photos of them in the show notes. So I'm writing them down as we go <laughs> so that I know which ones to ask you for. Cause I don't actually know, like, otherwise um, we'll miss them. Um, can we put a stick a pin in um, the Morse code yarn? Cause you mentioned it. Um, I know that you um, 
uh, did that in the wake of your mom passing. Um, do, do you want to just, for those who don't know about that yarn and aren't, don't have any idea what you're talking about, do you want to just speak to that yarn and how it came about and what sort of happened in that period of time? Because I, I know, but it, there won't, there'll be other people if you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, the, I did a version of it where I did a haiku during Tour de Fleece, one of the Tour de Fleeces in the past year. And for the science issue of apply, I was I was tapped to do this article about using Morse code in a yarn, and I it was an and it was an opportunity to one flex like my two strengths, which are my spinning and my writing. Um, the poem that I wrote for the article was. Um, it's a villanelle, which is my favorite fixed form of poetry. Um, and Dylan Dylan Thomas's Rage Against the Dying of the Light is a villanelle. Um, and they have this really interesting sort of turn at the very end of the poem that it's just this, it feels so clever. Mm. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite, favorite form. Um, and I used that as my, it was ridiculously long. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it that, that long, that the yarn took me months to make it was, and it was just a single skein. It was just very slow process because I was using cocoons, which is a technique of adding like little bumps in your yarn um, and then knots. So the cocoons were the long dashes and the knots were the dots. And so I had this whole poem printed out in Morse code and I'm just going through spinning knots and cocoons to write everything that was in this poem. <laughs> so cool. It, I mean, it was just, and it's a really beautiful yarn. Like I just, mm -hmm. it, and seeing it in, on the photograph so nicely on the pages of Ply was just special. <laughs> it yeah. was really well, and Bernadette does such a beautiful job with the photography. I mean, she's so talented. So having your stuff showcased like that is such a, I don't know, it's its such a treat, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So I did want to spend some time. I, I've got two things that I want to talk to you about. One is your spindling and your support spindling. And the other thing is Tour de Fleece, because you always come out full force with Tour de Fleece. It's so much fun <laughs> to watch you spin through, through the tour. I feel like um, the tour is an opportunity for you. It like, it seems to me from the outside, like, a, you know, quite an outlet for you. It seems to be something that you really look forward to every year. You seem to Boy, plan a little bit every year. Um, so why don't we start there? Cause tour de fleece is going on right now. And are you yep. going to do de fleece femme? Probably. And if just any, keep on going. Any excuse for me to, to spin is a good excuse. I guess. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically all of July now with the new Tour de France and the way that they do it with the men and the women, it basically is a month-long spinning event um, yeah. for for those of us who are hand spinners. So, yeah, can you talk to your process? Because I've watched you now for several tours, you know, and it's been, it's so inspiring. So how do you think about the tour? How do you approach it? Where do you start? I am not a planner. <laughs> I am a very... Uh fly by the seat of my pants sort of person but I am very dedicated during tour de fleece it is my absolute favorite time of year 
And it's a chance to just really meet people that I wouldn't normally have met. Um, my people. <laughs> totally. I was going to say, yeah. I met really, really interesting people through Tour de Fleece that people that are still friends today. Um, and it's like Tour de Fleece just has a special place in my heart because when I was learning how to spin, like, not I think it was several months after I learned how to spend Tour de Fleece was happening and I found out about it and I started participating in it I got very active in this one group on Ravelry this is how long ago it was <laughs> very mm -hmm. active in this one group on Ravelry and got to be really good friends with the people in that group um and I have Tour de Fleece to thank for it wow. um so I like for me, it's something that I look forward to every year. And I make a very conscious effort to post every day of the tour, including rest days. Doesn't always happen. Um, and I try to take pretty pictures, which means <laughs> I need light. <laughs> mm -hmm. so I, I have not mastered lighting with artificial lights. I just, I've never mastered it in... There's something really difficult about capturing the essence of a yarn because sometimes it is just impossible because like if you, especially if you have like a yarn with luster in it and you're totally. trying like the, the, the light is just harsh and it feels so not soft and inviting the way the yarn is supposed to, it's just supposed to be. <laughs> And there's certain colors that just will like nothing you do will make that color turn out the way that it looks in real life. Totally. But I try do my, my photos have gotten better and better and better as the years have progressed. Um, but I, I try to take really nice photos of my yarns and it's just open the doorway to, and it, it's always nice too, because it's, um, if you're a new spinner, it's a great way to get encouragement from other spinners to keep you motivated and interested and excited to keep spinning. Mm -hmm. As an experienced spinner, it feels great to inspire other people to do yarns that may be similar or open up somebody's eyes as to how you did something. I think that's special. And there's just so many people who are active that are, you know, my fiber people during mm -hmm. tour it's that it's just we all come out in force and it's just one great big conversation happening all over the world all at the same time for almost yeah. a month. so yeah. I am very 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 dedicated <laughs> to being as active as I can be during Tour de Fleas I love that yeah so what are some of the things that have been really um like that you've been really excited to work on this particular tour um because we well, talked about your core spun yarn and creating yeah. the striping. Yeah. And then what else have you been doing? Um, <laughs> so this is right before the start of Tour de Fleece. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Sip and Spin, but she's mm -hmm. uh, a podcaster. Um, she has a YouTube channel. Um, she does a lot of stuff with supported spindling. Um, and I had spun, I got this amazing fleece at Maryland Sheep and Wool. It's a just the most spectacular tease water that I have ever laid eyes on. It's the nicest fleece I've ever bought. And 
I was playing around with it because I figured out a way to really bring out the texture of these really curly yarns. Um, and so I was, I had posted pictures of one of the yarns that I had made because I was testing out like different lock spinning methods to see which one I liked the best because that's what I was going to do with the rest of the fleece. And the sip and spins me a message and she's like, you know, I have a fleece that I'm going to now go dig in. I'm like, oh, it's like a little mini spin along. And lo and behold, we're like, let's do a real lock spin along. And we'll have people just contribute pictures and whatnot of the, the locks that they're spinning into their yarn. And I'll, I haven't done it yet because I've been busy with Tour de Fleece and some other things. Um, but I'll be posting in the future some tips on how to prepare your fleece for lock spinning and the different ways and effects that they might have on the, the finished yarn. And then going into the various techniques of using locks in your yarn because it's not just one there's several different techniques that you could use to really show off a really beautiful lock mm -hmm. oh yeah so, and it's already I, I didn't expect people to already be participating when I first we first decided to do this we thought it would just be fun to see other people do it not have it be a thing but people were like oh I want to do it and I'm like okay well let's let's make this official. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, another thing that I've been, been doing too is I'm not so much in the woolen spinning group. Cause I know that I, my art yarn spinning is not the most popular thing. Uh, most people are doing the traditional yarns and, but on my Instagram, I really, I post everything on, on Instagram and I've been doing a lot of videos of how I do certain techniques to help people who might be trying them out. I, I know for myself, <laughs> I've been really looking at tracking a yarn from prep to finishing. So I just did one on making a beehive yarn, mm -hmm. a beehive yarn, because there's several different ways to be able to add a beehive to your yarn. Um, and I did it basically from the very beginning to what you need to do to prep for it and then all the way to the end mm -hmm. and how you finish it to make it look nice. And mm -hmm. I feel like you don't, you often get videos of, Hey, here's how you do this technique, but there's no walking yeah. through the whole process because really a yarn only comes to, it comes together with every single step. And like, you know, mm -hmm. you might follow this video and what they're, their technique is but your yarn doesn't look like it because you didn't do you you there were different things that they were doing along the way that like that you didn't get to see totally. so I've been yeah so I've been doing a lot of that um my dog is <laughs> if you it's hear okay. that in the background it's the dog mm -hmm. wanting to come in because my husband has left him in the front yard uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I've been really like not only am I really trying to because I feel like I've, I've, I have been doing this long enough that I feel like I would be doing the world a disservice if I didn't share some of the knowledge that I've gathered along the way. Yeah. It feels good too. It feels, yeah. yeah, it's fun to connect with people and to help them and to see their process bloom and their, 
you know, what they think about, and then you feel even more inspired. And it's just this big cycle of creativity, right? Yeah. And, and, and all the art yarns and things, I know that people sometimes are like, I don't know, I'm not going to spin art yarns. I don't, what am I going to do with an art yarn? If you're a traditional spinner and that's what you like doing, learning how to do art yarn techniques is an excellent way to become a better spinner because a lot of the techniques for art yarns are basically spinning badly or plying badly. So understanding like what causes this particular effect and why you're seeing it in your beautiful yarn is one way of addressing like consistency it's one way of addressing how you apply color it's all of these things that really contribute to making a really nice yarn and the yarn that you want so if you want to spin a fantastic yarn and you want that yarn to meet the vision that you have in your head learning to do art yarn techniques are to me just crucial (laughs) absolutely absolutely I if I could get you up on a soapbox just like preaching that (laughs) (laughs) like the number of times I hear I'm not making art yarn because and it just yeah like it's so great to hear you say that yeah I mean for me not only are they fun to spin um they're just they're super fun they make you a better spinner yeah And they use up a lot of stuff in your stash that's like odds and bits that you would otherwise not use. That just kind of get put in a bin that, you know, isn't really stuff that you're going to make like a several hundred yard skein out of. It's just bits and bobs that are left over from various things. And you can use a lot of stuff up and it becomes functional. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and it's trendy now to make the little wall tapestries with the like. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although like I will say that like my favorites of my art yarns are not the more elaborate ones, but rather the ones that are more subtle. Mm. I mean, I think the horizontal stripe core spun is a perfect example of that because it is a yeah. very simple idea that is to me looks like a very usable yarn and Honestly, I think it's maybe the hand spinner's speckled yarn. I'm really toying with the idea of making those spaces even closer together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that it's, it takes a while, but it's a really, it just, there's so much about that yarn that I love. I can't even. <laughs> yeah. It's just a great yarn. I've got it up on the screen over here because Slack is open. Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And I think I'm, we're headed to Georgia later today and I'm probably gonna knit up a swatch in the car on the way cool Cool. (laughs) yeah now now you're gonna have to figure out like how many stitches to cast on and how like to space it to space it properly right so yeah that'd be really cool to see the results of that it would be neat to sort of think about in the future um doing some sort of you know like art yarn alongs where you're you know kind of helping um like we could do um you know a course spin along where it's sort of a month long where we really dive into like the nitty-gritty of oh, some I of these yarn that. structures and that I um yeah I, we could look at some of your old yarns some of my old yarns create some new ones yeah, yeah. um I've I've been teaching a class um on just core spinning because there's so many different ways that you can affect the look of a yarn with just one technique and sometimes 
matter of combining other techniques with core spinning that make it really exciting. And yeah, like um, my, I learned how to, I don't know why this passed me over, but I'd never, I, I learned how to do a gimp yarn. Yeah. Which is, and it's in Sarah Anderson's book. Um, right. And I never really made the distinction that there was this middle in between a regular ply and a spiral ply spiral plies annoy the crap out of me because if you're using them you're one of those, those plies is just sliding up and down all over the place but with a gimp you still get that texture of the bumps but it doesn't move of, yeah and and so i've been playing with it with coarse one yarns and they just really create this gorgeous looking rickrack effect mm. and a very usable yarn even if you're not technically an art yarn spinner they're just and i think they would make great like fuzzy little hats like really mm -hmm. little hats well like cowls are great with um textured yeah. yarn diana twist has done a couple of things with with her um some of her textured yarns where it's like what could i use this yarn in and yeah the, it starts to get more and more like for those who want a practical application all of a sudden yeah it, the world's your oyster yeah 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 it's very cool so like this, this, the class that I'm teaching, it's basically a theme and variation. So it's, cool. that's my, that's been my approach to a lot of things. It's like, here's this one technique. How can I do something different to make this technique feel like it's not the same as this other one? I think course spinning yeah. is a perfect example of that, depending on how you hold your finger against your yarn as you're drafting will determine whether or not you look like you have a very sleek core spun versus having a very lofty, airy, poofy core spun. Mm -hmm. If you take that finger away, all of a sudden there's all this air that gets in there and you have a really soft core spun yarn and it looks fuzzy. It has, it's basically mm -hmm. worsted, but with core spinning. Yeah. I, and, and that's the sort of approach that I take to a lot of these art yarn techniques is mm -hmm. just, playing around with them and seeing what I can do to make them different than what I've done before. Yeah. And I think there is, um, uh, there are people in like the wool and spinning community who do want to learn how to do this stuff and who are curious about it. Um, and I think the more we talk about it, the more they'll come out of the woodwork and see the value in it. So I think, um, I, I really like thank you for like posting photos and for being excited about textured yarns and for, you know, keeping them at the, I love them. I would spend a lot more time making them. Um, if uh, my kids were at school, <laughs> if I wasn't homeschooling, I would, cause I always used to like, um, do you, do you know who, um, she's kind of disappeared, but, um, Imoni, she would every morning she does, like, I don't know if she's still doing it, but like she would do um, like a morning meditation as like a daily practice thing for her. Like, I think for a lot of it for many of us is like managing, you know, various, you know, anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And um, she would just pull a braid, like half of a braid, a quarter of a braid out of her stash and do something textural every morning. And I'm sure you've seen this in your practice as well. Like, uh, the more you do that and the more that you work with these yarns, you said it already, the better you're, the more, the, the, the more accomplished of an, of a spinner you become, you, yeah. you just do, you know, it's, and you've already kind of spoken to that. Yeah. Yeah.
it, you it's nailed very, it. It's being purposeful with it and yeah. and really making it a study. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's a, I mean, a lot, every single yarn that I make, it's not always a serious yarn. Sometimes it's me practicing. Yeah. Or it toying around. Cause like, it, it's like free writing except on a wheel and I'm doing it with whatever I have on hand. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going to curse here and I apologize to anyone who might be, <laughs> um, but this is a real phrase in, in the writing world. There's an essay called shitty first drafts. Yeah. Basically the essence is all first drafts are shitty. I apply this philosophy to being new at anything too, because if you're learning how to do something and it's completely new to you, whatever it is, it's probably going to suck the first round, but that's mm -hmm. fine because that's part of the learning process. And the next one, you will get better and better and better as you go totally. along. So you're not, don't be frustrated by how crappy your first go at something might look to you because it's not totally. meeting the expectations in your head. It's fine. Just yeah. do it again and see yeah. And expand on what you've learned about the mistakes that you were making before and how do you how do you fix those? Yeah. But I am even especially like with some of the art yarns that have more thematic or sort of approach to them, I will do a first iteration of it as my one to get out all the kinks of how I'm doing it. And then I'll do another one that's the for real version of it because I've had an opportunity to work those kinks out. It's my shitty first draft. <laughs> so what do you do with that first yarn? Like, are those some of the yarns that you'll sell sometimes or? Um, they are, but most of the times they go in a bin because I have, I can't bring myself to throw away. Hands mm, totally. <laughs> Sadly yeah. fun. Like I have a bin of what I call the unfortunately plied yarns, the not so great spinning. <laughs> you, you know what you should do though? You know what you could do is take that bin with you when you do your fiber festivals and stuff. Put a put a put a label on it that's like put a sign on it that says the unfortunately late the unfortunately plied yarns, you know? And let <laughs> people like, you know, dig through it. Like maybe put them in Ziploc bags or something to keep them from getting all like scuffed up or whatever. But throw them in the bin put a label on them just so people have a general idea of what they are. I bet you people would buy them. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because they'll, they'll be looking like, especially like people that are doing like tapestry um, weaving or they're looking for like yeah. specific things. They'll like, they don't care if it's not quite right because it's not ever yeah. going to be washed. It's not ever going to be, do you know what I mean? They want to place it in something. It adds a certain element of texture. I bet yeah. you. Well, I, I've, I've been toying with the idea of having like little mini skein packs of things that mm. are like leftover from like spins that like yeah. or was left over from a ply that like I they yeah. didn't in aquarium because rarely does that ever happen. Um, but like putting together these sort of coordinating mini skeins of what yeah. I would deem not they're not full yarns, but they're not terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you put them in an online shop, like, you know, like Shopify or big cartel or something, um, yeah. you know, even Etsy, if you wanted to, like, you know, people that are making those textural weavings for like, th th that's what they're looking for, you yeah. know, and they're looking for people that are, po that, that are restocking their shops regularly, that they can guarantee they're going to be able to get stuff.
you know. It, it, it's also been interesting to me since I've started selling my yarns, the number of people who have bought art yarns from me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I'm not, I myself would never pay what I charge for my yarns. Mm. <laughs> myself, I can never bring myself to spend over a hundred dollars on a skein of yarn, but I have skeins that are over a hundred yard, over a hundred dollars because they're just, they take a long time to spend. And your uh, time is valuable. Yeah. Um, the art yarns are a little, some of them are quicker. Um, not all of them. Um, but it, it's, it's always surprised me the number of people that have really just, they gravitate towards the art yarns. And I just, I also just generally speaking, love being in public places with people who don't know how to spin and having them stop and look and be like, that is so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> I mean, like even at fiber festivals, because, you know, not all knitters are spinners, not all weavers are spinners. Like mm-hmm. we are a small subset within a, a small, like a small ish subset. So yeah. it's 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 always fun because you watch them and they just you can see it like this look on their face of just mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. Like guys, just wow. I can do that wow I can't believe that and I'm like so are you a spinner are you just curious (laughs) Mm -hmm. are you spin curious (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh dude I love and and it's especially fun with kids because kids Mm -hmm. are so fascinated with how wheels work Mm -hmm. it's amazing um my nephew the oldest of my nephews was (laughs) so fascinated with my wheel he would always want to help me spin um and he I think it's like the mechanics of the wheel is just really fast especially for little boys they're just mm-hmm. so by it yeah it's, it's simple machines right uh, yeah I mean like I I, yeah. I brought with me the last time we were visiting and he was just like can I try mm. and I'm like, sure <laughs> yeah and it's just fun to just watch like their minds just go wild. Like this is oh, this is something new. Totally. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> so let's in the interest of time, because we'll sit here all day. Um I because I know you and I. <laughs> uh tell me about your support spindling. How did you get into supported spindling? Because that's more recent, right? Am I correct yeah. in that? The last maybe three years I've been spending yeah. supported maybe longer than that. I'm not sure. Um, well, I, like I said, I'm not really a drop spindler. It is just not something that I've taken to. I, I preferred the wheel whenever I, I learned how to, like when I first learned to spin, I started on a drop spindle. I know some people don't recommend that, but I do just because it's, you understand the construction of yarn yes. and you don't really get that like, when your spindle falls on the floor with a drop spindle, it's you learning the physics of what holds a yarn together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's all about twist. Yeah, and it's it's a valuable lesson to learn. Like that, I, I it's not as evident on the wheel, but it is very mm-hmm. evident when you're using a drop spindle. So I'm grateful that that's how I, my progression of, of spinning. But I've never been 
much of a drop spindler. It's just not something exciting to me. And it's always like, because of all the, the issues that I've had with my neck, holding my arm up is not something that I particularly enjoy doing. Totally. Um, and there was a group that the group that I was really active at one of the ladies there, um, she just had the most amazing collection of supported spindles. And she was like, I could spend all day on a supported mm. spindle and just be so happy. And I just like, well, I want to try this supported spindling because Vicky's yarns are beautiful and her spindles are just adorable because she's also a big Woodland Handcrafts fan. So she had mm -hmm. just an amazing collection of spindles. And I someone gifted me a supported spindle and it was not the intuitive experience that I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> it was so hard for me to figure out how to get it going and it just like I understood what I was supposed to be doing I understood what was supposed to be going on but first of all, I had the hardest time trying to just even get the leader going because that is hard when you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, you'd watch these videos on YouTube and it, it looks like they make sense. And then you try it. And it's like, it's not working. This isn't working. Totally. And once I finally figured out how to get it to work, which I will say, if you're struggling to get a leader going on your supported spindle, pop the tip of your fiber in your mouth, yes. let it so that it gets sticky. And then, then mm. I like the way that, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Um, but she says to impale your yes. fiber, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, yes. Isn't so, that Debbie held? I think it might be. No, no, it's, it's, oh, she's an older woman. I can't remember her. I'm so blanking. And I know like what her Etsy shop, the logo, it's like an octopus, rainbow octopus, but I can't, I'm not remembering the name. Oh, somebody will know and they'll comment. <laughs> <laughs> Flegel, Flegel spins. That's what it oh, is. Oh, Flegel spins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She says to impale your impale. fiber onto your supported spindle. So wet your fiber before you impale it mm -hmm. <laughs> to get your fleece going. Um, and it also really, the whole, the whole process of it didn't really um, feel terribly natural to me because at the time I draft with my right hand and I hold my yarn and control it with my left. And I was applying that same sort of thought process to the supported spindle. Uh -huh. so <laughs> with my left hand and not having a very good time of it and drafting with my right, because that's what I do at my wheel. But I, I had, I got an issue of ply, the supported spindling issue of ply and Josephine Whalen, who had an article in it said something about try, if you're struggling, Which? try switching hands. And I was like, oh, the gods have spoken. It just made sense because it's really, it's a woolen yarn. You're not doing, you're not messing with your fiber supply very much anyway. Use your dominant hand to flick your spindle because you're going to feel like you have more control. Exactly. So I, like, I had the exact same thing happen to me. The exact same article switched me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we had the, like these parallel little paths. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was really like the heavens just opened up and all of a sudden like, 
I I can support Spindle. Yeah. I can now I feel like I can really do this now. So now I I mean like I I do it all the time. I used to crash knit nights like with my wheel, but I don't do that as much anymore because it's much easier to travel with the supported spindles. Totally. And so, like I've amassed this <laughs> ridiculous collection of supported spindles that I just oh. But how much fun are they? Yeah, I mean it's like you're spinning on something beautiful. It, it's there's no better feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No better feeling and because and, it, and it's I feel like I am tapping into the roots of spinning because I am spinning on a spindle so I feel like this connection with the past spinning on supported spindles in a way that I probably would have gone from drop spindles but I just didn't enjoy drop spindling mm-hmm. I mean like my friend Vicky said I can spin on a supported spindle all day it's just it's it doesn't bother my back or my neck it's that's awesome just, very very relaxing mm-hmm. and you make beautiful yarn off your support spindles yeah do you generally ply on your wheel yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not not uh I don't feel comfortable applying on the spindles <laughs> yeah well and I could see how like if you're applying on like a big drop spindle that would probably aggravate your neck yeah I mean and, yeah. and because you're you're dealing with an entire skein like it I feel like it would be very heavy. Yeah. Because uh, I, for me, flicking on a very heavy spindle can really hurt my hand sometimes. So like, mm-hmm. or even wrapping, like if I can't hold it comfortably wrapping, which is usually when I, I consider a spindle fool is when I can't comfortably wrap it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip for people. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Crystal. So where can people find you? Like if they want to have a look at more of your work, more outside of just what I'm going to put in the Patreon post, um, what, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram as spin up girl with underscores in between the words. Um, I, at, in a former life, I also had an Etsy shop <laughs> and it was spin up girl fiber. So, um, you can find my Etsy shop. I'm toying with reopening that. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's going to happen, but I've been doing a lot of, um, a lot of bat making <laughs> cool, and a lot of art yarns and hand spun and stuff like that. Um, and you can find me on Facebook as Crystal Hesser. Um, I post all of my fiber exploits, like on Instagram, it automatically posts over to Facebook and I'm pretty active in several groups on, on Facebook as well. Um, and there's also a business page too for spin up girl fibers if you're interested i haven't even been i haven't visited it in so long so i don't i can't guarantee you're gonna meet anything that i do there yeah (laughs) like you can find me as crystal hauser on facebook and then for those who are part of the woolen spinning community you're crystal hesser in the slack channel so that's really easy for people yeah yeah that's great yeah thank you so much for this today crystal i really appreciate it yeah, anytime. I love talking fibers. Not, yeah. I can go, go forever. That's awesome. <laughs> I can, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. As always, show notes are available at patreon.com slash spinning. In the post associated with this month's show, I have included photos of Crystal's yarns that we talk about in this particular episode. To see more of her work, check her out on her social media platforms, which are also linked for you down below. 